0: Welcome to With Me Tonight, a podcast hosted by me, the hilariously funny, that's right, I said it, Onika McLean. I am a New York City comedian and legal professional. I am a mom, I'm a friend, I'm a lover. I've had so many different lives and we're going to talk about those lives. We're going to interview those people that have inspired me, encouraged me. We're going to get funny. We're going to get political. We're going to do all things that human beings get to do in a flawed, hilariously funny way. Hi, guys. Welcome to my channel. This is Onika McLean. Don't you hate those women? Don't you hate those YouTube women? It, they just get on my damn nerves. If you haven't already done so, sus- subscribe just by hitting the little button and the bell. The bell if you want to get notifications of me sitting in my kitchen talking about nonsense. No, I don't, bitch. Listen. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Hi, guys. This is with me tonight with Onika McLean. I am your host, Onika McLean. And with me tonight is my friend, Melissa. Geller Esquire. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Anika. How are you doing?
1: We're still inside. Yeah, we're, all right.
0: we're still in the middle of this pandemic slash race war, which is so ridiculous because most of my friends are white. So, so I'm like, wait a minute, listen, white people, we got to get this together. Who's going to come to Sunday dinner if you don't come? No, I'm just joking. No, but that is true. But we are in the middle of um, the Black Lives Matter movement and all this stuff. We're having town hall meetings at our firm every day, every day. And it's just a lot I- going on it's just a lot going on but i uh with me tonight again is melissa gella who is a friend of mine she's an attorney criminal is it is it white collar crime like oh, we do white collar and criminal defense we we run the we run the whole spectrum she's okay so i want so before um we get into melissa and her story and who she is and all that good stuff i want to tell you how i Came across Melissa, right? So, our firm, which we can't say the firm, but I, we work at the same firm, and we have this thing called pro bono, pro bono initiatives, and uh, one of them was a, uh, a, uh, a, a, what do you call that thing? A trans? What do you call it? What do you call that thing? What do, What do you call it, Melissa? Um. Why can't I speak today? I'm sorry, God. You,
1: you always tell the story, and and it's not as big a deal as you it like. Is, to think it is. is such a big it deal. Is, for, no, because it's when expunge, I felt it was motion to expunge a prior a prior record based on.
0: But it was trafficking, right? So you know the human the trafficking. Human, human trafficking is that is a big deal. I know that you deal with people that. You know, kill people with sledgehammers and stuff. But that was a big deal to me because I've been working in this law office for a really long time, and we normally just deal with civil litigation. So this time, I'm, I'm working on a pro bono matter, and this one attorney that used to work at the firm, he we had the case for like a year, right? And we met with the with the um, the def- with the defendant several times. We we interviewed her several times via remote. Even we flew her in to come to the office and nothing. We could not get nothing. Like her story just did not add up, right? So then that attorney left the firm. And so they they staffed Melissa on the case. So Melissa comes in first day, right? She's like, okay. So she had to prep the defendant slash witness uh, for the D- DA, right? The DA was going to question her. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And she said, that's correct. She acted like she's at a deposition. She, the DA was gonna question her. And but there were holes in this affidavit, and we needed to make this affidavit better. And so Melissa's like, this, but this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense to me. So Melissa's asking the questions. She's asking the questions. It was like madlock, right? So Melissa's asking the question. She's like, okay, so that happened. And then you were afraid. And then you were on drugs. And then that happened. And then and then she was like, so I don't understand what happened right here in this moment where you weren't afraid and you weren't on drugs anymore. Like what happened? And then the lady was like, okay, I was pregnant. I stopped taking the drug. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I hope you guys can follow this story because it's an amazing story. Melissa's going to correct everything I say right now, but that's just who we are. So, so we found out that the lady had gotten pregnant and she stopped taking the drugs. And then she went, she ended up like leaving the, her abuser and, and she was able to go back home. And we couldn't find that out for two years, damn near. And Melissa, one sitting, she just kind of like broke the lady down. The lady started crying. She was like, no, nah, I don't want my son to know. And I was just amazed. And then I fell in love with Melissa Gala. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you,
1: Anika. You tell that story every time. And I, <laughs>
0: Still don't think it's that big a deal, but okay. <laughs> it's a big deal. Like, you know what it was? This is the thing. Watching someone practice law well and then not so well, like you could really tell the difference. You could just really tell the difference. And 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 it's in the line of questioning. It is the tempo of the voice of the attorney. It's just a lot of things that you really can't quad, is it quantify, quantify? Yep. Quant. I'm using words. You can't quantify them on paper, but it's just like a, it's like a, who you become when you practice and not everybody gets to that level. And that's why I I tell that story because it just shows the, the range and the level that you're at. And that's dope. Well, you're very kind. Are you just going to, you have to, no, you have to talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, what do you
1: want me to say you, what, i want what, you, what you, you to you toot like your own to room say?
0: and say yeah because you know what i find." like how did you know to do that how did you know to do that Like, and how did you uh i know when you go to law school you don't really declare like a, a major but how did you know you want to practice this type of law well that's uh that's
1: actually uh not an easy question for me to answer the um I wanted to practice criminal law because I, I was my family, close family member was a victim of a violent crime. And the reason why that particular case was as important to me and as close to me as it was. And the reason why I think you saw me be more invested in that was that that was the situation that my family member was in. Mm -hmm. And I remember that very clearly from my childhood. Um, and, and for my whole life, that was, I would I wanted to practice criminal law. Now, when I went to law school, I didn't think I'd have that opportunity. And I got very, very lucky when I, I came out of law school and I went to a firm and I, I managed to uh, be staffed on some white collar corporate criminal matters. Did a good job and was in the cartel practice group of that law firm for, for several years cartel. when I came to join cartel antitrust cartels and when i came to this firm and and was hired on i was hired on specifically as a criminal lawyer to work in the white collar and criminal defense practice group so for a long time that had sort of been a dream of mine and i i got lucky in that i had the opportunity to do that work at at a very high level and now at this firm at all levels and trial work in particular damn that's so
0: dope that's so dope so you, so okay because you, you say you got lucky, but you didn't really get lucky. You you worked your ass off. Actually, is what happened, right?
1: I worked very hard. Uh, yes, uh, but it wasn't an easy practice, and it wasn't there weren't easy people to work for. But to to have the opportunity to practice in that group at the time, you really did have to be uh, people, which. Uh, Anika will tell you way back in the day, I probably didn't have, mm-hmm. um, the trial work. I was very, very fortunate to come to this firm to work for a great trial lawyer who who taught me everything I know about witnesses and trial preparation mm-hmm. and, uh, very, very fortunate to learn from him. And while well, I love the criminal law, it's the trial work that I really love. And I've had the opportunity to do that at this firm.
0: Right. So, but when you were in uh, undergrad, w- were you in, were you like pre-law and undergrad, or what? what's your undergrad in? Uh, the day I graduated,
1: I swore to my parents that I would never go to law school under any circumstances for any reason. Um, and I didn't care what they had to say about it. I, I really didn't want to be a lawyer. My, my parents had pushed it for a long time. I had uh, started in theater, uh, in, in tech, and moved into a history degree and a journalism degree. But when I got out of school and began looking into the kinds of careers that were available to me and the sorts of things that I wanted to do, the law degree became more and more attractive. The opportunity to practice law became attractive, and the opportunities that a law degree offered me were attractive, uh, among other things, international work, trial work. There were things that I kind of wanted to learn
0: to do. So you said that you were in theater. What, what yes. you, tell me about your love for the theater. What was how did how how'd that come to play?
1: Uh that was a long time ago. Uh for it was my dream. It was something that I, I very much wanted to do. And I think like a lot of dreams that you have in high school the the reality was very different than what you thought it would be Is and it when the, I went singing or acting or what? Uh I I was never on stage. I actually considering I'm a trial lawyer, this is hard to admit, have terrible stage fright or had terrible stage
0: fright. Because you damn sure Uh, don't now.
1: (laughs) To to this day, I I won't sing in front of a crowd, uh, but I I was always behind the scenes. I went to Syracuse University, which has a a theater conservatory program and studied stage management. Mm -hmm. But at about halfway through my career, I, I realized, excuse me, halfway through my education, I realized that I wanted something that had a more positive and forceful impact on the world. I, I did not feel that theater was going to give me the kind of engagement in in the world that I wanted, the, t- the ability to impact how our society operates and functions and how we treat other people around us.
0: Right. I remember us going on vacation to Cape May. Remember when we had that good time at Cape May? That was a lot of fun, Yeah. And that's what, so so this is the story, guys. So we were on vacation and we were at Cape May, right? It was a Melissa's idea because uh, she loves this little uh, beach town. I love Cape May. Right. And it's really nice. Like it's so, oh, it's, so it's like, she, it's like so close and, and, and you feel so far away, right? So we're riding bikes, tandem bikes. We're just being like kids. You crashed into a parked car. I crashed, into a, a was, bike. crashed I into a park car. Was I drunk? Was I bike. Was I drunk? Because that could happen. Was Was I drinking?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> no I just snitches. Remember
1: you crashed into the park fair
0: Yes. So we were like on the beach. We were having such a good time, and we had an amazing time. Like the food, the the atmosphere, the company, everything was like so dope. We were coming back to um coming back to New York and we were singing we were playing disney i don't on the radio i don't know why we were playing the disney station on the radio and then it was like a whole new world or something came on and she just started belting out like songs but like like Broadway kind of, like I was looking like, who the fuck is she? And it was just like, she has an amazing voice. She sounded like a damn angel. And I was, you know how you know somebody, but then you you have no idea who they are. And you're looking at them like, wh- what, what the hell? And she was like, I normally don't sing in front of people. I must really like you guys. I was like, oh my God. And I was like so dope. I just love um, learning new things about people. I still don't sing in front of people. You don't. You have such no, I don't. an amazing voice, right? You have such an amazing voice. That's so crazy. And then, and then, um, I remember uh, she's always, you're always trying to um, take me to the opera because she has this love for opera for the opera. She's like, I haven't gotten you there yet. I know. She's like, Come on, we can go see the. Bull, 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 bull. It's playing tonight. Let's go. And I'm like, No. I'm going to the comedy club and stand in for 10 minutes. And she's come to my comedy shows so many times, right? Of
1: course I've come to your comedy shows. All You're right. a funny lady.
0: All right. I'm going to come to, to the opera one day. I mean, I need, yeah. I think. What's your favorite opera? Uh,
1: My favorite opera is Romeo and Juliet.
0: Why? Just because it's that that love story, the, the story, the tragedy and all that?
1: well i love the music mm-hmm. um but for some reason and, and i can't explain it i because it's it's a really stupid story and it, it should drive me crazy but i guess it's the really latent romantic in me it, it is still there buried deep 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 it's under the right, <laughs> it's, it is my favorite it is my favorite play it's my favorite ballet it's my favorite uh shakespeare uh, excuse me shakespearean plays. my favorite ballet it's my favorite opera it is, it is, and then the, um, the opera is some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. So it is, yeah, Romeo and Juliet is my favorite. Because Pretty of much the, across
0: the board. Because of the young love, because of the innocence of it, because of what?
1: Oh, no, that's, it's a really, it's a really good question. And, and very good friends of mine, a very good friend of mine was like, she said, I don't understand. You, you should, I know you very well. You should hate that play. I think that there is a beauty in the tragedy and a message in that story. Uh, I I don't believe that Romeo and Juliet's a love story. Romeo and Juliet's about, about the destructive power of hate and, and how when you irrationally hate somebody else, terrible things are visited on the whole world. The love story is just the vehicle for that, for that
0: message. And damn, that's bars. (laughs) <laughs> She's it's powerful. That is powerful. Like I'm like, why the love story is the backdrop?
1: That's the backdrop. The love story is the vehicle for the message that that I believe Shakespeare was trying to convey. Now, listen, there are Shakespearean scholars out there who will probably say I'm an idiot, but that's always the message that I've taken from it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And the love story underneath it is a beautiful and innocent and pure story. And I. Something and it speaks to me very deeply and touches me
0: very deeply. Oh, that's so beautiful. Damn, that's so nice. Thank you for sharing that. That's so nice there's nothing like innocent about 14 year old love though. Cause it's ratchet. Yeah, just, um, <laughs> it's ratchet. Yeah, you have a hump yeah, people when you're 14 humping you at 14. To, you is- have to
1: accept that, that it was a different time and you have to sort of take yourself out of the sort of icky factor of, of, of the whole teenage love story thing. Oh, um, stinky, smelly think boy. It. Right. But, but it is, if you, if you listen to the, if you, if you read the words and, and, and if you listen to the music that people have put to it, I think there's a reason why uh, some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard was written about this and around this story. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a very, timeless. it's a very powerful, beautiful, uh, beautiful piece of work all the way around. And it has been my favorite for a very long time.
0: Okay. That's dope. What about, uh instruments? Have you played any instruments and in like, cause I remember time.
1: Yes. Not well. Uh, I, I played the flute for years. Mm-hmm. I play a little bit of piano, a little bit of guitar. Um, I played the trumpet, the trombone, and the... Oh, God, that's a lot. ...bassoon, but none of them very well. I've always preferred to
0: sing. Nice, nice. That is so dope. So you've been um, quarantining for a while. Are you? How are you holding up in this quarantine? Or are you just not doing it anymore? Over I am ready it. to
1: throw myself in the Hudson. Uh, I was with family for a while. I, I go out to family on the weekends. I talk to friends and help that we got very busy at work. We have a major trial coming up that mm-hmm. we're uh, desperately preparing for and that I have have dragged a good friend of mine into and now feel really bad about. So that's been helpful to be busy. Mm-hmm. But I'm...
0: Just trial prep and stuff like I'm that. I'm just done.
1: She's- trial prep, yeah, getting ready. It's It's there's a lot to do in a very, very, very short period of time. And I don't know the case well yet. So we're learning.
0: So how are you staying positive in all this or is, how is that going?
1: Well, I learned positivity from you. <laughs>
0: actually, <laughs> Fuck girl shit. <laughs> Turn up. Um, I'm just listening to trap music at this point. No, you, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I learned a lot from you. And, and I think, Last year, I put into practice so much of what you had to say to me about staying positive and taking a positive outlook on the world. And I, I changed my outlook and it stuck.
0: So yeah. I'm just generally staying positive, as positive as I can. And running, uh, running, because she's a avid runner at this point. You run all the time, keeping that uh, well, body uh, amazing. It's me sane. Yeah.
1: I don't particularly like to run, but they closed my gyms. So <laughs> <laughs> I lost my boxing bag, so now, it's, now, I, now I run. Uh, Yes, I I have been running as much as I can.
0: Nice. Well, are you keeping the weight down? How's that working? Are you drinking a lot and eating a lot and running or you're just trying to stay?
1: I was being good when I was out with my family. I basically am eating everything in sight now that I'm home.
0: Yeah, I just had an ice cream cone, a sugar cone. Why? Why are you eating ice cream in the middle of the day on Nico McLean? Because you can, because it was on sale at ShopRite, and it was two for five. And when you get something two for five, like I'm from the hood, from East New York, two for five is like crack, (laughs) like two for five. Briar's ice cream Like chocolate And marshmallow That's my shit So I just grabbed two And I can't just leave it there to, No you gotta eat, eat it. it You gotta <laughs> eat it I've eaten two bags Of goldfish in two days You know
1: Goldfish I bought goldfish the other day And I, I just, I've eaten the whole bag Twice yet. But I'm trying I'm trying yeah. working on it I, And you know I, I lost a lot of weight last year I'm looking to keep it off
0: She did lose a lot of weight Last year Like you lost like 30 pounds Right About 25 pounds Yeah look She's like Don't call me fat bitch <laughs> I I say 30, you say 25.
1: I mostly kept it off. Well, yeah, kept it you kept. It good. Well a little bit came back stuck inside and all Re- that. But
0: remember, I kept, it kept it trying to take you to a uh, lot less and buy cheap clothes, and you wouldn't. You do did. It. You <laughs> made me buy that red dress, which
1: is now hanging in my closet. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. I'm not a 20 year old, one year old like yeah, uh, and then we packing, clubbing. I, I don't love,
0: want to that dress I love getting a bargain, right? So I'm like, come on, Melissa, let's go, let's go to Lot Less, and she's like, why? Why are we buying clothes at Lot Less? That that no, you buy food at Lot Less. Why? What are you doing? And I'm like, just come, just come, and then. I I go ham and lot less and I had to buy this this beautiful sexy dress it was really really sexy it was so snug and nice remember yeah, Justin I'm basically just, sewed
1: into it I don't know where you think I'm gonna
0: wear it and then Justin was like what is happening <laughs> Cause she has like this beautiful okay. red hair. And she had this red dress on. I tried to put a red lipstick. I just wanted her to look like a a '70s prostitute, but she yeah, didn't like it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You basically <laughs> you basically paraded me down in the office in it, looked
0: it looked still good. It looked good. It looked good. Okay, you, you you got a clavicle now, girl. You have like high hip bones. Like your body looks amazing. You have to show that off, Melissa. You have to show it off. Yeah, yeah. Not
1: not not necessarily to my colleagues in the office.
0: I'm just saying, okay. like sometimes men. Okay looking just men looking it is what it is you know what I mean it's proximity at at a certain point it's just like who's around is what I'm saying because think about it you work so much you work so much right we both work so much like where are you gonna find a dude we're at work all the time unless you own like those dating apps but those dating apps are just like hook up quick kind of thing I hate those things yeah you want to be in love and stuff so you can have like a Romeo and Juliet story minus the getting killed, Min- minus the minus the suicide and um, and, and tragedy. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll
1: pass. But thanks yeah,
0: much. I, th- I think I've had enough tragedy in my life, so I think that my Romeo and Juliet story would be like. Oh Romeo, Romeo, wherefore I'll thou, Romeo? He's like I was up the block, you know where the fuck I am. <laughs> Every time I go somewhere and you try to figure out where I am, like I mean, give me a break, Juliet. And I'm like, but I love you so much, Romeo. And that just would be our life, and that's it. That's it. My insecurities, I would just kind of like push them off on him, and he'll just take them and say, "She's cute." Is that just, like just sort of, just sort of
1: roll it? No drama whatsoever. No, I kind of like drama. So, I, who doesn't like drama? Who doesn't like a little bit of low-level drama to keep things interesting? Yeah,
0: like, no drama is the as relationship in the history of relationships. And I know I'm coming off of my domestic violence podcast, so but I don't mean that kind of drama. I just mean, like... well,
1: no, like, low-level drama. Not like, my heart's broken, you're destroying my life drama, but like, low-level, like...
0: I'm not going to... Oh, my God, dinner. he didn't
1: text me back right away kind of drama. It's, it's fun drama.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, you like that, but not really, not so low as didn't text me back. Right. Because that I just put a whole bunch of stuff in my head, but a little bit, a little bit higher drama I need. It's like, like the, you know, I didn't call him back for a whole day. And then I'm like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, what's your problem? And he's like, you know what my problem is. And I'm like, you know what I'm saying uh, like, like I just needed a minute You know I was just trying to decompress Like like that Like that kind of job Like you just insert The little insecurities A little bit Like no Maybe not I'm too old for this yeah. shit I need to grow up I know But I'm still a child I'm The inner child in me Still plays this little game With the old lady in me And the old lady in me Is like Bitch I got gout And hypertension And diabetes Like I can't You have, you have you. none You
1: have You have none of that <laughs>
0: You know we, we got underlying issues. I'm a black lady. You looking at the news? We got underlying issues. That's one of I, my underlying issues. I'm oh, sorry. I,
1: yeah, right. But you don't have any of those issues. I
0: know, but listen. Let me. You just listen. want to
1: pretend you have those issues so you can complain about being old.
0: Yeah, because listen. What else am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? Oh, I have the wonderful life. Nothing's wrong. That's true, but that's boring. I don't want to be boring, so I want to act like something's wrong. Like I got alopecia; my edges are falling out. Something I have to complain about. Something, Melissa. You know what I mean? No. Uh,
1: And and I will always be there to listen to you (laughs) complain.
0: I gotta complain about something. I'm black in America. I got my. For, for, I got your your my drama. for your
1: listeners' benefit, we we sit next to each other in the office. So all we do is yell at each other all day long from our office. We don't even get up anymore. We just uh, holler at each other from the office.
0: And then, but this is what Melissa does that's so annoying. She has like conference calls and she's always yelling at the adversaries' uh, council. I do
1: not yell at the adversaries. <laughs> I just speak forcefully in the phone. She's like, talk well Michael,
0: Michael, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me now? And I have to like go out my office and close the door. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you she's always telling somebody off on the other end of the phone no that's well, not true that was
1: true. a particularly obnoxious client
0: <laughs> he was like "Hello, oh, did you hear what he said to me and i'm like uh yeah but did you hear what you said to him hey, it was, i was i was i was defending myself and i'm like yeah you were defending yourself
1: what's that? one shit? incident that's one incident and it every totally thursday
0: justified. <laughs> One incident every Thursday And then we drink on Fridays Oh, remember rem- What is that noise? Re- oh, remember remember. When, remember when we were at uh, Del Frisco's mm-hmm. Talking to the Talking to the, uh, the bartenders. Wasn't that a good night? Yes, that was a good night <laughs> I- And then remember When we had to go out to get the the Uber, and, and we had the curse to, I, I got in the wrong Uber and then I wouldn't get out. I don't remember that. Yeah. So what happened is there were Ubers outside, but I was drunk. We had a lot of drinks that night. We, we did have a lot of drinks that night. There was a lot of alcohol that night. <laughs> so, but what happened? So we're drunk and then... Um, I got in the wrong Uber, but I wouldn't get out. And the guy kept saying, you're not my person. You're not my person. And I was like, yes, I am your person. You're being racist. You're being racist. <laughs> that's not how this is set up. You, look, is this your picture? And I was like, no, that's not my picture. You know that's not my picture. <laughs> uh-huh. I, got- I, I don't
1: remember you getting in a fight with the Uber driver. I remember, I remember... I don't remember much about that night. I do remember
0: the bartender. And then I ended up getting kicked out of the Uber and then we walked to the subway. Mm-hmm. Then we just were walking. Remember we were walking holding hand like Laverne and Shirley? That I
1: do remember. Yeah. See,
0: how did I get I back out the Uber? Melissa I don't remember, I got kicked Anika. out the Uber.
1: I don't remember like you you fed me alcohol for like 3 straight hours. What yeah, that expect?
0: was good. We needed that. We needed that ah, You know what? Night. We need it now. Like I've not when are we going back outside? No, I miss my friends. Yeah, me too.
1: I miss my office
0: people. Me too. It's, it's, but like now we can go back to work a little bit, like once or twice a week. And I'm like, if, do I want my one or twice a week out of the house at work when we've been working from home this whole time? So it's like all, all I've been doing is working. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. So now we're the onset of the Black Lives Matter movement, and it is in full throttle. Full throttle. I can't even look at the uh, social media anymore. It's, I feel like I'm just having trauma, trauma, trauma. It's like a lot. What are your thoughts?
1: I think it's a long time overdue. I think it's. I, I, I work. I do a significant amount of work. Excuse me. Try that again. A significant amount of, of pro bono work and court appointed work. And I, I am happy on the one hand to see accountability being restored to the police departments because I do think that there is a lack of accountability. There are legal reasons for that. I could bore all of your people and go into it, but I think it has to do with concepts of qualified immunity where police officers get a pass for, for a lot of improper conduct. And and really a a uh, over capitalization, not over capitalization, but a a redefinition of police forces so that even small towns have things like SWAT teams. And mm-hmm. there's a little town down in New Jersey that has a drone. A wild little town down in New Jersey has a drone. I have no faintest idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there are. I am tired of of seeing young black men with no future. Just in a vicious cycle of imprisonment and uh, without any real recourse in the legal system. And I do hope very much that the Black Lives Matter movement extends beyond just the concept of policing, because I do think it is a deeper and more persistent problem. I spend a lot of time in jails and prisons. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking to young Black men. Mm-hmm. I have defended a significant number of them. And, and even the worst of the worst, you look at them and you say, man, you never had a chance coming out of the projects in, say, the Bronx or... Um, the educational system. Yeah, it's not even so much the educational system. I, I, I'll never forget it. I, I went to, in law school, I, I interned for a summer at the prosecutor's office. And one of the, my family history being what it is... I never thought I could do criminal defense. I, I thought I'd always want to prosecute and be a prosecutor. I, um, my, my aunt's death had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. And, and to be, I attended the trial of the man who killed her. And mm. I, I grew up with that knowledge, with what that meant to my family. But when I interned at the prosecutor's office in Detroit, I began to see Detroit in particular, especially back when I was in law school, was was just just a trap for young black men, mm-hmm. and or at least parts of it were. And mm-hmm. you'd see young men come in with burglary or robbery uh, charges, mm-hmm. and basically having been forced to join a gang out of a out of a sense of of self preservation, or because they are literally people go up to them and put a gun to their head and say, "Join the gang or die." Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that was a real eye-opening experience for me, having come from you know, a, a middle-class mm-hmm. you know, suburban background uh, with, with a, a supportive family and the good education parents who worked very hard to give me every opportunity in life. And, and I'll never forget it, and it has stuck with me forever, and it is why I do criminal defense now, mm-hmm. is there was a, um, a robbery... Exam and, and these are these are preliminary exams. Meaning, there's no indictment yet, but they're trying to. the The, the judge sits. It's it's, it's set of a grand jury. The judge sits to determine if there's probable cause to move a case forward into into felony. And and it's a he's 17. His girlfriend was pregnant. Mm-hmm. He'd been sort of drafted into this gang out of just sheer self preservation. They were basically said to him that we'll kill you if you don't join. Mm-hmm they swing by, they pick him up off the street, they hand him a gun, they say, go rob that woman. Mm-hmm. And he had the unfortunate, he came across these two these two lesbians who were clearly tougher than him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hilarious. To clearly that tougher than is him. He jumps
1: out of the car and he's shaking so hard, he can't even hold the gun. Mm-hmm. And they've got the woman on they've got one of the, the victims on the stand and she's telling the story about how he hops out of the car and he points this gun but he's shaking so hard he can barely hold the thing and the defense attorney gets up and he says well isn't it possible that you know he was holding a cell phone and pretending it was a gun and the woman goes she goes it was a gun," she said. "If it had been a cell phone, I would have kicked his ass." <laughs> the whole courtroom just goes ballistic laughing, but it, it'll never, it'll never leave me because he was bound over. He was almost certainly, he almost certainly took a plea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he almost certainly went to jail. Oh. And there just has to be a better way. I, I, I had a client who who was homeless at sixteen. Uh, severe abuse as a child, uh, living on the street, living on couches, selling, you know, marijuana at the very edges of a, of a, of a, one of these big gangs up in, um, in New York city. And, and just trying to stay alive. He, he, you have to play nice with the gang members and you have to be friendly with them so that they don't, mm-hmm. so they let you work in their territory and, and and marijuana being something that is is on the verge of being legal, mm-hmm. uh, he gets picked up in in a in a one of these major. What they're doing now is, is they're just rounding up just people on a 100, 120 people on an indictment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and alleging you know gang activity, RICO, and just tracking up whoever is even remotely associated with this gang. And, and he was such a bit player, and and the judge gave him three years like he was handing out candy. Mm. And 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 this this was a kid with a a good heart and a good soul who said to me, "The only thing I want to do is get a commercial license so that I can get a real job." Mm. And that was he had nothing. He had nothing, and it he it really does hit home when you work with with these young men. It's always young men. It's always young black men. Mm -hmm. Uh that, that they, they have no options and when you talk about the black lives matter movement and to some extent it bothers me a little bit mm-hmm. because it's flashy and it's trendy and you get these videos but the the mdc lost power for two weeks last year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was in the, newspapers a little center, bit.
0: Guys. Mm-hmm.
1: the mdc is the metropolitan detention center major mm-hmm. federal facility Mm-hmm. uh and there were some news articles about it and some people protesting because the the conditions in there were said to be horrific but nobody could get any information but it didn't spark nationwide
0: protests right
1: And it didn't spark a conversation about how we treat prisoners and, and how the justice system disproportionately affects uh, black men
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how we probably should consider other, other oh, ways, sure. other outreach, other other matters, and 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 that's really where where it matters. Not to say that I'm not outraged by the video because I watch that video and I just don't understand uh, how that happens or why that happens or yeah.
0: what what you could possibly be thinking and in, in a situation happened. like that. This happens, right? You're saying that plural M- multiple it times, a time. I,
1: yeah. I, I think I, like many people, I'm tired of watching videos of 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 people dying on the street as they sob. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. uh, Once, twice, overzealous cops, four times in a year. (laughs) You got to start to wonder, but, but there's a bigger conversation that has to happen about, about race and law enforcement and criminal justice that we're not having.
0: And race. And the educational system and race, just the, the the selling point to white America that everything is okay, and black America that, you know, you guys need to like kind of like figure it out on your own and get yourselves together. That whole message. It's that it's there's a disconnect. It's I, I know so many people that are non-Black that said, I had no idea. I had no idea. And what I'm finding is that when people say, oh, I have a Black friend, I'm not a racist, right? They have a Black friend, but oftentimes that Black friend don't really explain to them what the Black experience is, you know? Because now when I'm saying, when people ask me questions and they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. And I'm like, but how could you not have any idea? And then you have to think about it. Well, you didn't tell me. And you're the person that I know. You know, so all those people on television, and I'm thinking that it's them and other. And I don't mean you because you are in the trenches. You know, you see it all the time. But oftentimes, a lot of people don't see it. I am their black friend. And they see my life. And they're like, yeah, she was in the projects. And, uh, and um, look at her now. Like if that wasn't like a big old struggle and I didn't have to fight racism and classism and all, and I'm still doing it now. I'm still, you know, you still have the effects. You still, I'm, I'm if I get stopped by a police officer, I'm afraid. I'm not going to make the same money. Even even if I do the same job as my white male counterpart or my white female counterpart and why.
1: I I will say, I will say that I, I cannot speak and I will not speak to, 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 whether or not I think that's true because that's not my experience and I can't speak to that experience. Right. Um, and certainly I don't believe that people are, are unjustified feeling that way. What mm-hmm. I, what I do think, however, is, is a true shame and what I would like to see come out of the black lives matter movement. And in my deep cynicism, I, I don't think will happen is that what's underneath what's lying, what's lying beneath what we're seeing on these videos. hmm is i don't think endemic police brutality i think it's in a, it's a it's a system that disproportionately impacts young black men now whether that's because we're not in poor areas or areas where there's gang violence attempting to get attempting to get kids into
0: school but how how do you attend school when you're sleeping on the street and even if you're not sleeping on the street Oftentimes, when I mean, you are in school, so let's take it like to the to kindergarten or first grade. Like so systemically, all those kids are not being taught the same, and I know that for a fact because I went. My kids went to school in East New York. Well, one of them did, and I went to school in East New York, and I know what I was taught. And then when I transferred my children to uh, District Two, say a public school. But in a different area that that serviced a different demographic, which was predominantly white, my kids learned much more. They, they, they just learned different stuff. It was Mandarin. It was fencing. It was all this stuff. That they, and I'm not like making it up like dead ass. It was Mandarin and, and fencing. And this is a public school. It was still free. But so why, why didn't those kids, why weren't those options there in East New York, Brooklyn, but they are on 95th Street and Lexington Avenue
1: you know and, and i don't i don't have an answer to that i certainly do because I, I am massively overeducated therefore believe that education is and should be the answer to everything but what what does bother me is is that there's very little room in the system as it currently Now, there's some changes happening you see them happening at the state levels diversionary programs mm-hmm. but but diversionary programs what a diversionary program is if, if you don't know is is instead of prosecuting, say, a drug crime,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. they're diverted to a drug treatment program, they finish the drug treatment program, the charges are dropped. But without support and without... I can remember talking to another client of mine who, once he got out of jail, I said, okay, no more selling, no more Mm -hmm. drugs, no more Mm -hmm. selling
0: drugs. And he looked at me, he said, how am I going to live? Yeah, because I'm, I'm talking and, about before that, before before he right. started selling I have drugs. A,
1: now I have a criminal conviction. Now I have a, a federal drug conviction. So not only did it could I not could he not get a job before, which is why he was selling drugs in the first place. Now he really can't get a job because he's got a federal felony on his record, mm-hmm. and that strikes me as taking young kids, and they're always young because because they're young and they're stupid and they haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. And and that, by the way. Applies across the board, especially yeah, men. All, they don't grow all, up till okay. they're thirty and forty years old. They're all dumb. Yeah,
0: but so they're fifty-two. are like, wow, yeah, geez, right." He finally got together, uh,
1: didn't he? I was stupid in my early twenties, but but they're selling they're selling drugs, and, and there's no when they come into the system, there's no there's no mechanism to say this has been your life, and it's been a truly difficult and terrible life for you, and and how more, do we ensure? How do we move you from this into a productive member of society? We're just going to toss you in jail. Now, once you go into jail mm-hmm. and they're not going to these, these young black men are not going to country club jails. They're not going to, and, uh, not that, and, you know, and, camps are, are any picnic, but they're going, they're, they're doing real time. They're doing it on the MDC or the MCC, or they're, they're going to, you know, real prisons and that is that is just a recipe to further entrench them into into a life and then they come out with with no support and nowhere to go and nothing to do and you it's true because they they call me again
0: you think about it if if it's a, a young white guy that's 17 and he's like doing bringing pills to school that's selling drugs but he has a dad that that'll you know figure it out for him or help him get his record expunged if they even charge him at all. It happens like, wh- like that. It happens on so many levels, but what happens to black boys, they don't get a chance to grow up. Cause, if, right. cause if you give yes. them a chance to grow up, then some of that stuff will just, fall away. It will. I know so many men right now, white or black, that when they were 17, they were dumb and doing all kinds of dumb stuff, but they got a chance to grow up. And then they became, you know, a a member of society that, that added value. And I just don't think that black men get to grow up. And then when they do get to, when they do grow up, it's still a target because you live under this pressure to be black. There's this, there's this pressure. Like I come in a room and I feel that I need to prove that I belong in the room. Do you feel the same way?
1: Uh, well, I work in a male a, a male dominated field, okay. uh, in okay. a male dominated subfield. Uh, so I, I definitely have have felt that pressure. I've certainly had things said to me as a female in this profession that
0: make me question. But you feel that you need to. You feel that you need to prove that. You
1: well, no, no. I mean, well, you know me. I, I'm oblivious to all of that stuff. I walk mm-hmm. in, I do my job, I walk out. I, I have elected, I think, to not believe that that's true, and therefore, I don't believe that that's true. But
0: I do mm-hmm. fight and face. But that's women. Uh, that's women also, right? So no, I, I
1: mean. I'm not saying the experience is the same. I, I am saying, I, I to some extent, I, I appreciate what it means to be the only characteristic in the room the only you know the right. only female in the room the the Wait, only one with um you know a ponytail and i'm I'm, I, I'm short and i'm you know short and a little bit round but little and it's I, I i use it to my advantage but frankly you can really take people by surprise when you turn out to be a little pit
0: bull in the skirt a little a little more aggressive <laughs> than, excuse me, than they're
1: expecting, uh-huh. but. But yeah, I, I think, but but this, you know, to the, to the question of, it, it, I think it's a question of support and I think it's a question of, of, an, of a, of a failure of our, our
0: justice system to. I think that once it gets to the justice uh, system, it's kind of too late. I think that we. But, they're, but they're in early. the justice
1: system. Some of these, some of these folks from, you know, really, really destitute circumstances. Yeah. They're in the justice system almost the minute they're born. And. Yeah, and, so and the juvenile, you know, they've got juvenile records before they're 10. Mm-hmm. So, so they get very little consideration in the courts and very little, and they move, they're moved through a system that, that's a crushing mill. Uh, and then I've seen it break wealthier, wealthy and strong people with, with huge amounts of support. I've seen it break them mm-hmm. and it just grinds these people and, and the, the level of resignation that I see in my clients when I get say a court appointed gang case. Or a or a pro bono case, the level of resignation that I see, and and, and we as lawyers don't do a huge service either. Uh, I, I spend the first couple meetings very often with with these clients trying to convince them that I actually do care about their case and that I I am going to fight for them because their experience with lawyers are lawyers who don't care about their case because they're just not getting paid a lot, and, and that's a real yeah. that's a real shame and a real a real violation of our ethical obligations as as lawyers.
0: Yeah. But, the, but 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 what they do is they they definitely overwork the DAs and the the, the assistant DA. They put all those cases on them, so it's it's like a system. That's the system that sets it up because you wouldn't take on fifty cases on your like you could you could not manage fifty cases. But that's that's what happens. That's a separate set of issues. Yeah. I, I think it's related, but I think it's separate.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the I think legal aid is overworked in particular, and, and that's very, very hard to mm-hmm. to to deal with. but but you spend a lot of time trying to convince these clients that, in fact, I do care about their cases and that I am there to help them. Right. And it takes a long time to gain the trust of your clients, and you really can't help them mm-hmm. adequately if you don't have their trust. Yeah, so uh, so so that's it's it's work that's important to me and and I do hope that the Black Lives Matter movement, extends out beyond street protests about the police because th- th- that's not what that's not what i don't think that that's the root cause and but i would love to, to see set a discussion. it off
0: that's to set it off though and something yeah, had to I, set it off so at least we have the the conversation and this I, has been amazing. I, i'd love
1: to see a discussion about criminal justice in this country and and how we do what we do and why we do what we do and and how far we've come from the roots of what it was supposed to be and what it used to be to what it is now
0: well shit, what it used to be, that gives me pause too, but that's another conversation uh, for I another mean, day. I, I mean in
1: I mean in the way cases are processed and pleas are handled and and mm-hmm. discretion, prosecutorial discretion. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I appreciate that when it comes to race, that's a loaded statement.
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> like, but oh
1: there there's a certain there's a certain level of of having gotten away from the sanctity of the jury as a as a mechanism for ensuring social justice. Mm-hmm that, that I think
0: no longer exists. Right. So this has been, thank you so much, Melissa. This has been awesome. See, look at it. You were like, oh uh, uh, wait, uh, uh. and then you were like so enlightening and, uh, and just informative and a pleasure. And there's, see, this is the thing guys, right? There's so many layers to people. There's so many layers to people. If you ask the questions, if you dig a little deeper, people open up. If We're like an ogre. Remember, what did Shrek say? Uh, an, an ogre. I'm an, I think, I'm an ogre. I, think I you have layers of onion. Uh, onion, right? Because, okay. so onion You know peppers. what the hell I'm talking about. Don't try to correct me. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for being with me tonight. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And I miss um, you. And I'm looking until... forward to seeing you again. Uh, me and you are never part. Knocking down. You don't know. Okay, never mind. Bye. That's for my black friends. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. See you guys later. Yeah. Bye, Melissa. Bye, guys. Bye, Anika. See you next time.